Hi, this is Viv Campbell from Def Leppard. You are listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 345. My name is Brando, coming up momentarily, one of the guitarists of the legendary Hall of Fame band Def Leppard, Mr. Vivian Campbell, will be joining us. It's going to be a short and sweet interview. Uh, We're going to talk about their upcoming tour, finally, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett. Also talk about new Def Leppard music and find out what, if any, six degrees of GNR bacon that Vivian Campbell has. And since it's a short interview, let's make the episode larger by giving you some segments, some uh, some of your favorite AFD segments, and we'll do some shotgun news. And we'll talk about Axel Rose joining Carrie Underwood on stage and just how great it was. Well, let's save that until after we speak with Vivian. And then also, let's do... Mr. Mailstone, where we read your comments right here on the podcast. So without further ado, let's get you all of it. Welcome to the podcast, Vivian Campbell. How are you, sir? I am splendidly well. Thank you very much. Awesome. You are, I mean, I appreciate this time. You are a super busy dude. New music, new videos, about to embark on tour. Is this an exciting time for you, or is it kind of just almost like a uh, spring training for an athlete, and you just got to go through it all until you get going? Oh, I think we've had enough rest, you know, (laughs) true. (laughs) We're we're ready to go. I mean, although I haven't said that, I mean, we're about to uh, head off to LA to rehearse for a few weeks, which, you know, in years gone by, we'd only rehearse a few days before a tour, but uh, that's because we were doing it with great frequency. So we're, um, we're giving ourselves this cushion of time, um, you know, to get back in there and and get familiar with it all again. And uh, we're going to be playing some of the new songs too, which obviously will, require a bit of work cool and speaking of one of the the new songs which comes with a new, uh, a new video kick you are you might be the best dressed person in in Def Leppard if I may say that well thank you because I, I think we're all pretty spiffily dressed so <laughs> you are I mean yeah. Phil is usually half naked half the time but I mean, yeah, yeah yeah but <laughs> I, I guess I'm curious because you have a very dapper kind of Al Capone pimp like white I mean um striped suit so I want to know, do you dress yourself for music videos? Do you like making music oh, videos after all this time? Well, uh, no and no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, we, we do not dress ourselves. I think, you know, we, we deliberately tried to, uh, you know, ramp up our image a little bit for this. You know, we're, we're, we are of a certain age <laughs> and you know, it's a little bit of professional help is always a good thing. So we, uh, we work with a great stylist for these videos and photo shoots and whatnot. And, you know, we're, we're trying to age gracefully, but yet still keep that rock and roll edge going, you know? Um, and as regards to, I enjoy making videos. No, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> my least favorite aspect of, of 
what it is I do for a living, to be honest. Um, having said that, I mean, these last couple we made were, were relatively easy in the bigger picture, you know, but, but it's, it's always been a strange thing to me. You know, I always cut my hands when I make music videos come thrashing at my guitar because it's not plugged in. So I can't hear it. So I just hit it harder. So I always, you know, I never feel it at the time, but then, you know, they, when you, you, when you finish doing the take and I look down and there's blood streaming off my right hand, I think I did do that, but I always do it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Cause you don't know, you're just mimicking it and you have no idea. You're just miming it. So that's interesting. Cause I'm curious about that. Cause you're not actually playing during a video. So I wondered if you enjoyed it, but let's no. talk about when you're actually starting to play. So, I know we spoke about the amount of rest. I mean, this world got a, a, almost like a two-year rest. I guess at this point, when you're set out to embark on this major tour with Motley Crue and Poison and Joan Jett, is the word eager, or is it because this has just been hyped for so long? Is there any sort of nerves? Uh, I guess how do you feel about this finally happening? Oh well, definitely eager. Yeah, I think we're all very eager to get going on this. You know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been a long time for us. This will be the longest time we have ever not played together as a band. So, which is why we're scheduling so much rehearsal time. But ha having said that, I anticipate here's how rehearsals are going to go. The, the very first day, we're going to sound awful, hmm. like dreadful. Like it's going to be embarrassing. We're all going to look at each other and think, what the hell happened? What went wrong? Um, and by day two, it's going to be, oh, that's much better. That sounds like Def Leppard. And by the end of the first week, I think we'll probably be good to go. But we're, we're definitely, you know, scheduling more than one week. I think we have about three weeks scheduled for rehearsal. So, um, but it should be good. And, and I, I say that because I, I started doing shows again last summer with my side band, Last in Line. And uh, we, we went to Las Vegas and rehearsed for a couple of days. And the first day we were in a, the rehearsal studio playing together, we were embarrassingly bad. And I just couldn't believe it. So, so I, I had that experience. So I, I anticipate that the first day of Def Leppard rehearsal is going to be, hmm, what went wrong here? Um, but it'll come back quick. You know, it always does. You just have to find that connection again. That's you know, just so amazing. Somebody as accomplished as you and, and Def Leppard, the, all the accolades, it's just, it makes you real human just knowing that you just can't just go on stage and be Def Leppard, that you're all have to practice and put in the work like the rest of us. So it, I don't know, it makes me feel good of anything, knowing that you are human beings after all. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the strange thing about when a band plays live and it, it's, it's not only the notes that you play, but it's the space between the notes. And it's, it's that air in between that, that really defines the, the chemistry of the band that, that you got to be in, in sync with each other you know you got to be breathing in at the same time and breathing out at the same time metaphorically speaking so but it's something that all good bands have but but i did notice from my experience with last in line that when you take a couple of years away from it it, it takes at least 24 hours to come back sure start sure yeah. now um i know i only have you here for a few more minutes but I, i've been very lucky enough not, i mean not just to have you on the podcast now but joe elliott uh, Rick Allen was on about a, a month ago, and I do something on this podcast, if you're not familiar, Appetite for Distortion. You know, have, I have a Guns N' Roses theme just to be different. Everybody and their mother yeah. has a podcast. I want to be a little different, so I call it a Six Degrees of GNR Bacon. So I've asked that of Phil, I've asked that of Joe, and of course, Def Leppard has been on some festivals. Um, Rick Allen talked about his friendship with Matt Sorum. So I guess I'm, I'm curious, do you have a 
you know, a good six degrees of, of GNR bacon story? Are you uh, friendly with any of the guys? Um, maybe an old school story, seeing them live. Just something that we may not know about you and your connection to Guns N' Roses. I actually don't really. I mean, I, you know, I've met Slash a few times. Um, I've met Duff, you know, super nice guys. Uh, but I, I don't really, you know, no, I'm sorry. I, uh, okay. I don't. Okay. I, I, I but you know, I, I, li- I don't live in LA anymore. I live in New Hampshire last several years, but I mean, even before then, when I was living in LA, I mean, I, I didn't get out much to be honest. You know? So I never, I never met a lot of celebs. Okay. Yeah. I'm a bit of a homebody myself. That's why this, um, pandemic, I mean, obviously it's terrible, but it have been a blessing in disguise for hermits like me, but I guess it's a nice, kind of like a nice segue because we were just talking about the little time that maybe you have to practice and, and going on stage and, and fine tuning things. So I'm going back a few years now to find my six degrees of GNR bacon. Of course, one of your first shows with Def Leppard was the Freddie Mercury tribute, correct? Yeah, that's right. And, they they played at that. Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, if you could, um, do you have any stories from that? Or just talk about that experience of, of playing that just iconic concert, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert? Yeah, it was all quite surreal because there were so many celebrities there. I mean, I remember, um, God, what's, uh, I mean, there were like supermodels wandering the halls, you know, just you'd be walking by people and, you know, you think that's, I recognize that person. And then you realize that they're an A-list actress or something, you know, and, you know, Elton John came into our dressing room to say hello, you know, that, that doesn't happen every day, you know, um, Obviously, the guys from Queen, you know, we're, you know, we've known Brian May has been a great champion of Def Leppard over the years. And, you know, he kind of uh, looked after us a lot that day and even got up on stage with us and played, you know, so that it was it was just a very, very surreal sort of a day. You know, it wasn't your typical Saturday. (laughs) No, it was not your typical Saturday. It's a very well put, very well put Uh, to bring it back to today. What gets you excited more, new music or a new tour? Or are you just getting out and playing in front of people or both? Well, 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 both. I mean, certainly after a few years off, you know, any sort of activity is, is exciting. Um, I am looking forward to the tour. I am looking forward to, to playing new music on this tour. That's always good. It's always nice to go out and play something, something new, and especially if it's something new that you're excited about. And I think we're all very bullish on this record as is our record label too you know it's great to be back working with with universal and and to have such a great team there so you know there's a real feeling across the board that that there's life in this record and there's excitement behind it and and um so we're going to be like i said we're going to be bullish on it we're going to be strong on it we're going to go out and play probably more new songs than people might be expecting us to play which is good for us i mean we're definitely excited about that yeah, and you guys, I don't think you guys are stopping anytime soon. I, I, I so I, yeah, I don't think so. So I mean, play new songs now and play even more new songs after the next album. Um, yeah. Vivian, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope we get to do this again. Pleasure, Brandon. Yes, enjoy the day. Love that accent. I wish I had a cool accent, and I appreciate. And, and I'll, I'll mention it in Mister Mailstone. All do, those of you who said my lisp is not noticeable until I mention it, which I just did. Well, more on that later. 
Uh, but Vivian Campbell, I'm very surprised that he did not have any six degrees of GNR bacon. No, uh, no Guns N' Roses stories. It's interesting. We we found, you know, GNR stories under the loosest of affiliations. You would think that he would have one, but still, uh, when next time when we get him on, I'll perhaps ask his opinion of Appetite for Destruction. You know, the, it, just to that's enough of a connection to get kind of a uh, his opinion on it and what he thought, but. You know, when you got 10 minutes, you got to get to the meat of the uh, the heart of the order and, and uh, promote what they got to promote. So it is what it is. Um, so now let's talk about something Guns N' Roses related. Well, Axel related. Well, Carrie Underwood related. Let's talk about it in Shotgun News. News. So I'm sure by the time you are listening to this podcast, because it made news Everywhere, not just rock and roll news, but because it involved Carrie Underwood. There's a festival. I was not familiar with it, to be honest with you. Uh, Stagecoach. So shame on me. So Stagecoach out in L.A., uh, very country music oriented. I'm, I'm used to thinking like the CMTs, CMAs. Um, I guess I was not familiar with it with Stagecoach. And because well, how would I know? All of a sudden, and this is just funny how... Um, it was the right time for me to wake up in the middle of the night and, and check my social media. So um, my fiance, she got home real late, like early in the morning because she had one of her students, um, like her student just turned 18. So it was kind of a, what is it, forever 18 or something like that party. I don't know. So she got home super late, woke me up at three in the morning, whatever. And uh, I had to go to the bathroom anyway, TMI. And I check my Twitter, and I see that Del James had tweeted, Whoa, Carrie Underwood and Axl Rose together on stage singing. And this just happened. So this was just, I guess, at the end of the night, uh, for me being East Coast time, New York, uh, obviously this happened at 3 in the morning. I would not have been awake otherwise. And why would it be in any of, of you, those who would listen and follow Appetite for Distortion on social media and listen? Why? You, I mean, there is some crossover with country fans, but how many of you, I mean, I guess we found out, are also Carrie Underwood fans? And so I started sharing and, and, and seeing people post videos, and it was just, it broke. It was just, it was... Th- all over. You couldn't open social media without seeing Axl Rose on stage with Carrie Underwood. And it was phenomenal. It really was just, it was awesome just to see not only the reviews of Guns N' Roses fans and how much we enjoyed it, them doing Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, but the uh, the country fans. Just really cool because how many of them have seen and are familiar with 2022 Axel Rose, and you know, you know what? Whether Axel uh, dresses himself, kind of like what I asked Vivian Campbell. I know all these people have stylists and stuff, but yeah, like to think he has final say. Whoever dressed him, perfect, perfect for a 60 year old rocker. He got the torn up jeans like he always does. He got the cowboy boots, which now is perfect because he's at a cowboy show, a <laughs> cowboy show, a <laughs> country music show. Uh, and he just had a black shirt, just one cross, didn't go too crazy with the jewelry, and just a nice blazer, his hair looked good, nice little part down the middle, and just looked good, man. He just looked really good, and 
Uh, the performance of Sweet Child in Paradise City was, was great. And look, I've said this before. I put it out on social media recently, and I'm going to paraphrase my own tweet here. Axel 60, he looks the way he looks. He sounds the way he sounds. I really don't care about the negativity. It's not me putting my head in the sand about anything or being an actual actual apologist or a fanboy. Some tweeter, you know, was like, call me an actual fanboy. B-O-I. I'm sorry. I I spell like an adult. You want to call me a fanboy? Spell B-O-Y. What, are you a skater boy? Like, if Avril was texting me that, I guess I would understand the spelling. But come on, be an adult if you're going to try to insult me. The point being is there are millions and millions of fans that enjoy what Axl Rose still has to offer, which is a lot, and understand that he's not 20. They're not expecting that. We love what we see, what we're getting. So if you don't like that, shut up. I don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. You can have your opinion. Share it somewhere else. I don't personally care about for it anymore. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite because I've judged in the past and I just, I'm not into it anymore. I'm just not into it. I'm my, I'm growing up. I'm trying to grow up and just not be that dude. I, I've said the same thing about Vince Neal and I wasn't jumping on that either. Look, Vince Neal has gotten criticism. John Bon Jovi getting criticism lately. But for those, if they're going to the show and millions of people are still enjoying Vince Neil and John Bon Jovi and whoever else you may think of has, quote, lost a step. Who who cares? I think that's the point. You know, who cares? Are they really robbing you of anything or depriving you of anything? People are still enjoying it. It's uh, While I do make the sport analogies at times, it's not a sport. They are not. Axel Rose doesn't have to perform at a certain level to beat somebody else, doesn't to beat an opponent. He just has to entertain, and he's providing these songs that he wrote. You know, why would I want to see Guns N' Roses with anybody else that, quote-unquote, could sing better, you know, or has a better voice? It's kind of got the whole uh, David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar thing, right? Like, Sammy's the better singer, but David Lee Roth, I mean, he's the guy. I want to see the guy. You know, I don't, and he's another one. I don't care. I would see Divoli Roth now. I, I don't care what he sounds like or he doesn't sing the way he used to. It's David Lee fucking Roth. Same thing. It's Axel fucking Rose. And I, I, he really proved that. That was a big, awesome move that he, he made uh, out of nowhere going out with Carrie Underwood, going out with, uh, coming out with uh, on stage. Carrie Underwood is a huge Guns N' Roses fan. She's been on, whether it was on one of the Jimmies, maybe he was on Fallon, talking about how um, she left her husband somewhere because she went to go see Guns N' Roses and she covers Paradise City in concert. So she lived out a dream. I think she tweeted and said it was like the greatest night of her life. And I, I just, that's just so cool. It really is. And it shows how Axel continues to transcend genres and, and time. And he's just, he's Axel Rose. He's why I'm able to do this podcast because of just what he's, he's more than just a front man of a rock and roll band. So it's just really cool to see him out and about um, before the tour hits. 
And also before that, uh, a few weeks um, before that, in, in Shotgun News, I might as well mention it, a fan, I didn't go too much into the story, but I know a fan met Axel. Well, Axel looked like he was out for a jog around his house in Malibu, and I doubt that she just so happened to have Appetite for Destruction, the vinyl on her, because uh, and, and, he, he autographed it for her. You know, Axel Rose, 22. So I'm assuming she knew he was going to be there. I'm glad it ended well, because sometimes that could be... You've seen movies like that, but not not to... I don't want to make a, a, a great positive interaction into something that could have been a lifetime movie of the week or something like that. But Axel from the pictures looked happy as hell to see, you know, to see this little this girl <laughs> ask for his autograph. And so Axel's, uh, he's living his best life, man. He really is. Uh, it's awesome to see. So I can't wait to, uh, to live vicariously through all of you when they hit the road, because I, I'm not going overseas. So, uh, again, reminder, I definitely plan to do some review episodes, more review episodes like we did when they did the North American tour. But this time, let's do it when they're in other countries and, and you can get that viewpoint. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And speaking of viewpoints, you know what? Let's get yours. OK, so let's do and let's close out this episode with one of my favorite segments and sound bites, Mr. Mailstone. Here's the mail, it never fails It makes me wanna wag my tail When it comes, I wanna wail This one is from, uh, you can always email, not just on social media. I always promote, of course, uh, the AFD podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but email as well, the AFD show at gmail.com. This is from uh, Ian. I want to say it's not spelled Ian, but it's uh, I-A-I-N. So I want to say Ian Martin. Uh, hello, sir. I've been a massive GNR fan since 1991. And obviously the two best things that happened last year were absurd and hard school. Yeah, I mean, who could argue with that? We got new music. And again, new is subjective. We talked about that before. Uh, he goes, with the rumor from Slash that we might get a new song or two over the summer, I wonder what you think we might get. A big, long rock opera or another Appetite-style short, fast rocker. And he continues, Some of those Chai Dem leftovers must be long and lyrically obtuse, given the Chinese democracy record was, and I'm hoping for that kind of thing. Uh, what do you think? We're about a month away from the start of the next tour, so maybe a third song is not too far off. Anywho, take care. Love the show. Again, Ian. Hopefully I'm saying it right. Ian Martin. Uh, well, thanks, Ian. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, like, with that. Of course, the two best things last year that happened were absurd in hard school. I mean, what a, what a surprise. We're talking about the surprise of Axl Rose going on stage with Carrie Underwood. Um, those were as big a shocks as anything, you know, especially absurd. <laughs> It was Silkworms. And Slash is playing on Silkworms. It's still like, how do you... It's hard to wrap your head around it. So I don't certainly believe Slash would speak out of school. This is Slash saying there's, there's material and things to work on and things that are coming out. It's much different than Richard Ford is saying it or Frank Ferrer saying it. or You know, they, they know this stuff. They know what's going on, but they don't have the... 
you know, the back catalog, the slash is not going to speak out of school now. He's been recently quoted in in the interviews he's been doing that saying he's going to be in Guns N' Roses until he dies. So whatever was wrong, it looks like they fixed it. Whether you want to assume that's just money cures all, I don't think so. I think these guys are are friends now and they have a a really good um, environment around them. It's just a different, it's a different band. You know, I've I've joked before that I wish... I experienced the dangerous Guns N' Roses uh, being my first concert was uh, my first GNR concert was 2002. So I experienced the, the Buckethead and perhaps I almost experienced the danger since there was a riot uh, the day after or so uh, in Philadelphia. But anyway, um, it's just who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, we could be enjoying Guns N' Roses for the rest of our lives, not just you know, listening back to Appetite for Destruction and Lies, and if you want to go back to Hollywood Rose, there is new stuff. So I believe, yeah, there is going to be new stuff. And if if Absurd and Heart Score any indication, that seems like what it's going to be. Uh, I know some like that, some don't. I think that there sh- if, if Axel or whoever, Slash or Duff, has material that they've made, whether it's a decade ago, 20 years ago, or yesterday, bring it to the table and have you all work on it. I know there was a moment where I got upset when Slash, uh, he had mentioned also in, in one of the interviews he's done that they have yet to all be in a room together or write new music. Maybe that's what we don't hope for just yet. They get a brand new song, you know, and I think that's okay. I don't want any of what Axel worked on to go to waste. I want, I'd like what Duff and Slash did. I didn't like Silkworms. I like Absurd. I like Hard School. So it's it's interesting. You're you're getting these this time capsule of what Axel was in the late '90s, early 2000s when he wasn't talking with Axel, uh, with Duff and Slash, and now they're adding whatever they can to that time capsule of Axel, if that makes sense. But as long as the music is good, I, it's fine. And you know, I just hope to keep cranking it out to get that stuff. I don't want to say out of the way, but just get that stuff out of the way. So then you could start working on all new material. And I've also have said, yeah, I guess it's the big three. We got to look at it like that. And this Axel slash and Duff's uh, ship, if you want to call Axel the captain or whatever. But I really would love to see Melissa get more involved and Richard. And I want to see them be a band. Not to say that they're not a band because... You see um, the Instagrams and the the the, the lives, um, and they just seem to really have like a family kind of atmosphere there in Guns N' Roses. But I want them to be a band too, you know. Um, I don't know if you could really redesign the the classic cross. I always find it interesting when people are like, "Oh, they're putting the the classic cross." Do you think Izzy and Steven are going to show up? No, that's just a brand. That classic AFD cross is just like showing the Yankees logo. And I think it's almost the same why Kiss, you know, are passing down the makeup. Like you're not creating a new makeup. It's a brand, whether you like it or not. Um, And then I guess with that, I mean, I don't know, Ian, you were thinking about it. Um, There's still hope with Steven or Izzy to to show up. I'm going to keep that hope. Again, it's the impossible already happened. Axel and Slash are, to, are back together. That already happened. We even got more impossible that, uh, I mean, if you want to go really deep into it, 
the impossible that Axel's always on time, if not early. Uh, then we got Absurd, again, Silkworms redone with Slash and Duff on it and Hard School. So we got two new songs. And like this, this reunion has gone off without a hitch. So anything is possible. It, it really is. So I, I leave everything to chance. So I hope you're right that a third song is, is not too far off. So thanks, Ian. So whereas Ian sent me an email, this person, uh, Alisa, she, I guess, gave me a review on Apple Podcasts, which you can always do. So whether you listen to Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, um, Podbean, there's always, there's a lot of different ones. I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even know what half the carriers that I'm on because it's interesting that there's just more and more that sprout up, but they're always like a, a sub part of Spreaker that puts you on Deezer and Doozer and Fraggle, uh, who knows, but this was Apple Podcast I'm familiar with. Uh, so she writes, uh, she was, gives me five stars. Thank you. Uh, says, I have fun listening. That was the title of the review. Uh, I am a living caregiver in the Maryland area and uh, where people are haters that I love hard rock and classic rock bands. I'm awakened by your podcast listening to friends like me. I'm not alone. I am grateful for you. From uh, Alicia or Alyssa, so forgive me again uh, if I'm not getting your name right, but uh, Biker Bird 2. <laughs> How about that? That's, that's easier said. Um, that's easier said, your, your username via Apple Podcast. Well, thank you. I mean, people are haters about the hard rock and classic rock bands. Who wants to be surrounded by people like that? I mean, especially classic rock. Like if you're not, if hard rock's not your thing, okay, fine. Like so for some, Carrie Underwood is not your thing, but you would give respect to it. You would appreciate the art form. But classic rock, I mean, half of classic rock, they, they're like classic hits. And that's what Guns N' Roses are. You know, that's why they're not just my favorite band, but just here's, I guess this could tie into Shotgun News. Also, I could have mentioned, but for the new Thor movie, they use Sweet Child of Mine. And it charted. Sweet Child of Mine charted. The song that's been out for decades. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm thinking it's just a diehard Guns N' Roses fan. Oh, this would have been a cool place to debut a new song. And wondering if even people are sick of Sweet Child of Mine. The answer is a overwhelming No. <laughs> People love Sweet Child of Mine. So it's just a trend, classic and a lot of hard rock. You know, ACDC, Aerosmith, Transcend. So if you if you don't have friends that are into that, just, um, you know, just say, talk to the hand. I don't know why I went there. I guess I'm just in the uh, 90s mindset. And uh, Maryland and being a caregiver, very difficult. I did that, on, you know, not a paid thing, but taking care of my grandparents you know, it's, it's very difficult. So if you get any escape from listening to my silly little podcast, I, I appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much for that. And I got a lot of people that said this. So all of you who mentioned that, uh, you know what, I'll read it. This was a, a comment on YouTube on our, uh, what Eric Dover, one of our clips. This is from Ryan Walsh. So thank you, Ryan. Um, he's a frequent commenter on YouTube. Um, Brando, my man, for real, I don't think anyone notices the lisp. You know, I don't know if it's something that you're more aware of. Uh, I mean, you know your voice a lot longer, but I never notice it. 
you know, um, I only know, <laughs> I only notice it when you're talking about the explanation of it. Uh, anywho, I love your stuff. I'm just being a 90 year old, uh, letter to the editor fella. Now, uh, you rock one day. You'll catch that axle fish and maybe just maybe he'll ask why you have a lisp. <laughs> JK. <laughs> I appreciate all of that. Yeah. I mean, of, of course I hear it. I hear it now the whole time I've been doing this. Uh, post-recap these segments with you right now in this episode. I hear it. I don't have my, my fake tooth in the flipper. I think the uh, the lisp is more pronounced when I have that in, but I I tried that briefly, I believe, in the Tony Harnell interview, and I'm like, you know what? It just feels like I'm wearing a retainer, you know, and then it just becomes mentally distracting. But So, Ryan, you're not the only one to say that, that uh, it's all in my head, which is not a surprise to me. It's always all in my head. And so I guess I'll kind of relate to what you more of what you said. I always appreciate the letter to the editor kind of stuff. Uh, so everybody, be like Ryan. If you have letter to the editors to me, please. That's what Mr. Mailstone's all about. I'll read them. Uh, and about the Axel fish, you know, because some people ask me if they think Axel knows about my podcast. It's like, look, I knew the Slash did. Or does at one point because uh, at least at first when London came on, uh, he was only 15 and had to get permission from uh, his mom, Perla, and Slash. Um, I, I, I'm i sure he does know because I'm thankfully, you know, more mainly social media uh, friendly issue with, with Todd Kearns. And, you know, I know Todd thinks highly of me. So, um, you know, I guess Slash knows Duff. I Yeah, he's got to know. I don't think he's the one specifically that turned me down for the interview. I think that was a management thing. This was back, you know, if for those who don't remember, this was during the tenderness promotional thing, and one of his radio reps just felt, you know, appetite for distortion just seemed like a red flag to him. Uh, but I've had two of his brothers on. I've had Susan, his wife, on twice, so he's got to be aware. As far as Axel's concerned, look, <clears throat> I yeah, I've been told that the big thing, and I've just, I'm being honest about it years after these things went down just because people are asking, you know, like, I'm talking about Slash doing all, all these interviews. Why can't I get him? Well, uh, there could be a management issue. I don't think... Um, Slash has his own management. Duff has his own management. But like with Axel, that's kind of tied to with Team Brazil, of course. And I've never met them. I've just heard through, you know, other people, you know, at least two sources that because of my interviews are on the radar of people like Blabbermouth and sites that might use clickbait that they don't want people like, Richard Fortas or Frank or Melissa coming on my podcast because they're not, they're not slashed. They're not duff. They're not in, in a position to speak on behalf of the band and not saying that they would or will or any of that, but just it's being cautious. And you know what? If you're, if you listen to the Tony Harnell interview, um, actually, no, I think this was, we had this conversation after we stopped talking. He was very kind when we brought up Skid Row. And I would have kind of left it alone if he didn't want to talk about it. But he said afterwards, he's like, I like the way you both phrased it, me and my guest co-host, David Brody. And he said, because normally if I do an hour interview and if I don't, if I don't mention Skid Row until the 59th minute, that's what they're going to focus on. And that's what they're going to pick up. 
and not what I spoke about. And that's basically what happened. That's really what happened. I don't email Blabbermouth. I don't let them know what's going on. I did not mention, mention Skid Row in my title or my summary, but they did it. Did they make it really like a clickbaity thing? But no, but Tony Harnell expressed a concern that I've spoken to you about, not just with GNR management, but with Iron Maiden management, Tommy Stinson management. This is just people being cautious of, overly cautious maybe, but it's just something I get to deal with. So with Axel, no, I just, you know, I, I just, I hope, like, if I'm not getting uh, Frank back, you know, why would I ever get Axel? Uh, for one, I just hope that's not the case that Team Brazil thinks of me in a certain way. It's just a case of being cautious, and maybe there is a right time to get some of these, you know, Dizzy Reed back on, and, and, and Melissa, I would love to interview Melissa. You know, maybe the time is right. I just hope they don't have a misconception of what the show is about. That's why I always hammer home you know, what I'm all about, and I'm not asking the, you know, hoping that the message eventually gets across. And yeah, to catch that Axel fish, we all want that Axel fish. You know, every, uh, you know, as famous as you can think of as an interviewer, Howard Stern, uh, Eddie Trunk wants to interview him again, uh, Joe Rogan, they would all get Axel Rose. Axel Rose would put me on the map. You know that. I know that. But even before this podcast, just as a pipe dream as a kid, yeah, that was always a dream of mine to interview Axel Rose. Always. I mean, that's just uh, being, being in journalism starting out in high school, I guess, all like that. What, a, what an awesome interview that would be. I always dream that, uh, I, but I don't take it seriously. I, people are like, oh, he definitely knows about it. Now, until I see any sort of proof that Axel Rose knows about this podcast, you know, uh, calls me out and get in the ring too. I don't believe that Axel Rose knows about me. I just don't. I can't say that. It's how how can I have the ego to say that, or just the, the confidence to say he does without really knowing? It would be cool if he did, and I'll keep hoping that I get the interview him. But that's as far as it goes. <laughs> so thank you, Ryan, and that'll do it for Mister Mailstone, and that'll do it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I miss doing shotgun dudes, but there were things to talk about, believe it or not. And I want to keep doing Mr. Mailstone. So again, email the AFD show at gmail.com. You can write a message on uh, you know, on just YouTube, just like Ryan did. Or you can send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram. That's how the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. No! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.